You are welcome to Face to Face Broadcast. Enjoy the dynamic teaching ministry of Pastor Tibby Peters, the President of Renaissance Assembly Incorporated. This message will take you from where you are to where you ought to be. Why are we so confident of what Jesus can do? Why, can we, why are we so sure of what he does and what he can do? I remember one time I had to pray for someone. And then I said, the person is well. And someone said, how do you know he is well? (laughs) I said, it would be more difficult for me to explain how I don't know than to explain how I know. Amen. (laughs) Did you get what I said? They brought a man here that had so I can't remember what it was but his legs um, he had problems you know I think um, fluids were coming out something I don't know what it was like it was just rotting away and it was a midweek service so I called him and then laid hands on him and I said he's fine he got home and the thing dried up. And, you know, um, I don't think he himself was that convinced that he was going to receive his healing. But I said, he's fine. There's such a thing as the tangible healing power. In Luke 5.17, the scripture spoke about that. Jesus was having a meeting. The scripture said, and it came to pass on a certain day as he was teaching. That there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which were come out of every town of Galilee and Judea. But that's not the most important thing. The important thing was the next thing. Judea and Jerusalem. It says, and the power. Why will it emphasize that the power of the Lord, after telling you that they were Pharisees, doctors of the law, you know, registered that, but the power of the Lord, amen, was present. And it was not present in observation. It was present to heal. Amen. That means that people in that meeting couldn't explain how they got well. There was a supernatural power present while Jesus spoke. Over the years, in our meetings, that same supernatural power is present. We've had more people healed that hands were not laid on than the ones that hands were laid on. 
But from time to time, we lay hands on people. And not hastily. By the instruction of the Spirit of God. I'm not a pastor or a minister, sorry to say, that prays for every problem. There are some of you that would have observed, maybe in your relationship with me. Maybe you call and say, Pastor, this is what's going on. I say, okay. And I switch off the phone. He said, you did not pray. <laughs> Amen. I know one or two people have been bold enough to ask that. Pastor, um, you didn't pray. <laughs> the prayer, you know, you know some, I don't know what some good thing prayer is. Amen. Today, something has already come on you. Some of you believe more in technology than you believe in the spirituals. Amen? Am I communicating? You believe in technology. You have more faith in technology. I use the example of Bluetooth. Someone is there and you are here. He said, um, send it to me. Then he says, I've sent it. You don't even check, you start going home. Amen. Say, he has given it to me. Did, did you physically collect it? No. How did you get it? No, Bluetooth. Eh. That's, he didn't touch you. No. You didn't come in contact with each other. No. We're just in the same environment. And he said he has sent it. Why can't you believe that I have sent something into you? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Why can't you believe that I've sent a word to your house? Technology is man trying to catch up with the spiritual. <laughs> I will attempt to teach. Amen. Let's try. Praise God. Let it be that we tried. Okay? How many of you have been blessed in these three days of revelation and manifestation? You know, we began to talk about something really awesome. New Testament mysteries. Praise God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, okay, I've started. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. Let a man so account of us, ministers of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. That we ministers of Christ are what? Are stewards of what? The mysteries of God. That scripture indicates that there are mysteries of God. Jesus said something similar in Matthew 13, verse 11, when they asked him, how come you're speaking to them in parables? He said, unto you it is given. To know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them, it is not given. And in that scripture, we found out that the mysteries of the kingdom can be known. Amen. And that it has to be given to you for it to be known. Thank God that we that are in the era of those that lived after the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we are all 
given to know those mysteries. Amen. At least to hear the gospel that brings us into the kingdom and gives us access to know the mysteries of the kingdom. So when the Bible says, let a man so account of us, ministers of Christ, as stewards of the mysteries of God. Was Paul speaking about all believers? You know, sometimes Paul is talking, and we're not sure whether he's talking about all believers or he's talking about himself, you know, in a fivefold ministry. But whichever way, the point is that we are stewards, amen, of the mysteries of God. Well, I am a steward, amen, <laughs> of the mysteries of God. Hallelujah. That's what I serve, mysteries of God. Amen. Imagine them asking you, what's your occupation? Steward. Steward of what? Mysteries of God. Amen. <laughs> but we're not just stewards of mysteries in that sense. Because it was something deeply spiritual, Peter also spoke about that. But it was slightly different. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10, he said, as every man had received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards, amen, of the manifold grace of God. That means there's a stewardship, amen. When we serve the mysteries of God, people experience the manifold grace of God. The many-sided multifaceted, amen, grace of God. So we began to look at the New Testament mysteries. And I, 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 for those of you that were here, I talked about the Greek word mystery, mysterion, which talks about secrets. It's not secrets that cannot be known. There are secrets that can be known, but they were reserved for a time. But now, in Christ Jesus, they are revealed to us. Amen. They are revealed. They've been unveiled. And so I took time to list the mysteries of the kingdom. But let me just read a scripture to you. Matthew 13 verse 35. Let me just explain that. Then we'll get back to where we were. In Matthew 13 35, Jesus it says that it might be fulfilled. This is about Jesus. Which was spoken by the prophet saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. That means that where we are now, things that have been kept secret from the foundation of the world, we are the partakers of those things. Because they were spoken for us. Even the angels desire to look into these things. Amen. But they are for us. Say the mysteries are for me. Say again the mysteries are for me. Alright, so um, I, what I, I did was that we tried to categorize the mysteries of the New Testament. Like I mentioned, for clarity, for scriptural consistency. And we gave seven of them. How many of you remember that? Alright? Seven of them, right? We started by talking about the mystery of the faith. Everybody say the mystery of the faith. 
We read from 1 Timothy 3 verse 9. Holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. We talked about the second one, the mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. We read from Ephesians chapter 3 verse 4. Is that correct? Then the third one we talked about was the mystery of the gospel. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6 verse 19. The fourth one we talked about was the mystery of bodily transfiguration. And we read from where? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 51. This for some of you that were not here. Then the fifth one was what? The mystery of iniquity. Amen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 7. And the sixth one, the mystery of his will. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 9. And the seventh one, the mystery of the seven stars and the seven golden candlesticks. Revelations 1 verse 20. Well, this is a review of the last class. Amen. (laughs) Amen. But we went further to start explaining the mystery of the faith. And I was trying to show you that what the Bible referred to as the mystery of the faith is the same thing that the Bible also refers to as the mystery of godliness. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9. Because this is where the discussion actually started. Paul was speaking. Go back to verse 9, please. Paul was speaking here. And he said, holding the mystery of that, the deacons should hold the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. Now, in case they didn't understand what he was talking about, before he ended that chapter, in verse 16, he now says, And without controversy. Alright? Great is the mystery of godliness. He was still referring to that mystery of the faith. What the mystery of godliness means is the mystery of our religion. Revised Standard Version. Give me Revised Standard Version of of, of 1 Timothy 3.16. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of what? Our religion. The mystery of what we believe. Amen. Of our faith. And he taught us there in 1 Timothy 3.16, go back to King James, six truths that are the foundation of for the mystery of our faith. Amen. That number one, God was manifest in the flesh. Number two, he was justified in the spirit. Number three, he was seen of angels. Number four, he was preached on unto the Gentiles. Number five, he was believed on in the world. And number six, he was received up to glory. We taught on that last yesterday. Today I will attempt to go to the next mystery. Because we talked about the mystery of godliness or the mystery of the faith. The, the mystery, the second mystery, is the mystery of Christ. Hallelujah. Should we go there? Are you sure you're ready for that? Glory to Jesus. So we'll go to Ephesians 3. Um, I like to read it in context, but... Let me explain something to you first of all. The mystery of the faith was dealing with the legal side of our redemption. 
what Jesus had done. Hallelujah. What he had done for us. And some of us just stay there. You know, um, you've heard, maybe you've heard that is, is, is a, a, a common teaching about the fact that redemption has, is like a coin that has two sides. On one side is a legal, on the other side is a vital. And what do we mean by the legal and vital? It's just like a court of law. Now, the judge gives a sentence and says, you are sentenced to life in prison. The moment he says it, you are sentenced. But it doesn't take effect in that moment, at least if you are observing. The, the, the court might still be in session and they will take the person to a holding place within the court premises and the judge might be attending to another matter. It might be at the end of the day, or maybe a day after, that they will transfer the person to prison to effect the judgments, amen, that the judge had given. Am I communicating? Now, the legal side has been done. Let's suppose you came into the court that day. Maybe it was someone that did something you expected that the person should be sentenced to death. And then he says he had been sentenced to death. Then you come and say, well, he's alive. He's alive. Why is he alive? They say, no, no, don't worry. He's been sentenced to death. He said, no, but I'm seeing him alive. The vital side has not happened yet. Amen. Am I communicating? Now, when Jesus came, what the mystery of the faith or godliness dealt with was his incarnation up to his ascension. His birth to when he was taken up into glory. It dealt with that. That's the legal side of our redemption. And what makes the vital side of redemption effective is because of this legal side. If this documentation of the spirit was not done, this implementation will not happen. Amen. Am I communicating? It's not going to happen. The reason why we can speak words and we come to pass, we can pray for the sick and we can cast out devils, is because of what was done in the legal side. Amen. That's the basis. So, the mystery of the faith or the mystery of godliness deals with the legal side of our redemption. Now, because of what Jesus had done, what now happened to us? What is our experience? That's what the mystery of Christ deals with. Amen. What happened to us? What's our present day reality? So Paul attempted to talk along these lines. Permit me to read Ephesians 3 from verse 1, so we'll get to verse 4. It says, Web, um, sorry, for this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you, Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation, now the word dispensation, they actually should have read the stewardship, hallelujah. If you heard about the stewardship of the grace of God which is given to me, please give it to me, New King James Version, so you, you don't have your word, alright, okay. Indeed, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, amen. Which was given to me for you. That means there is, there is something God wants me to deliver to you. There's a stewardship. I owe you. Amen. Go back to King James. You know, King James is the authorized version of the Spirit. I hope you know that. <laughs> Amen. We, we just use the others, you know, yes, but the King James is, yeah. 
and I'm loyal to King James. I pledge my loyalty always to King James. If you've heard of this special of the grace of God which is giving me to you, word, verse 3, how that, by revelation, the, you know, he didn't say by research. He said that by revelation, he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. That means he had written about that before. He had written about that mystery. But remember that the mystery was made known to him by what? Revelation. So as I'm speaking, in the same way the Holy Spirit will make this revelation, this mystery known to you by what? Revelation. Amen. So Paul got to know about the mystery by a revelation. And he wrote about them. Now we could stay here and argue a little about what he was actually talking about. Was he saying that he had written it earlier in the same Ephesians? Was he saying that he had written a book earlier to them? Whatever it was, he had written before. Amen. Then what was he talking about? Was he talking about the mystery? Or was he talking about the fact that it was given to him by revelation? It's a food for thought for scholars of the scriptures. Amen. So, he got further to say, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery as I wrote afore in few words. Now verse 4 is the big one. He now said, whereby, when you read what I wrote, that's what he's saying, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Praise God. I pray we all talk like that. That means there's something in this mystery of Christ that was given to him. Amen. And when you come in contact with his materials, you too will know. Amen. Now, the Greek word translated as knowledge there is not gnosis. As in general scientific knowledge. It's not even epignosis as in a precise knowledge. It is sunesis. In essence, he was saying that <laughs> when you read, you will understand how I have it together concerning this mystery of Christ. It's my own. That was why Paul's ministry was different from everyone. There was something Paul knew. Even Peter had to testify that the kind of revelation God has given to Paul. Amen. Although some seem to twist it, but that wisdom God has given him. He recognized it. And validated Paul. Because he called Paul's letters scriptures. Amen. If Peter didn't say Paul's letters were scriptures, it would have been difficult to accept Paul's letters as scriptures. Alright, so he said, my synesis in the mystery of Christ. There's something he knew about the mystery of Christ. Now, uh, most of the time, when we talk about this, some people don't understand that there's a teaching. Should I call it a doctrine of Christ? That a believer must understand. It's different from knowing that, oh, no, no listen, no, don't misunderstand me. It's different from knowing that Jesus died for you. No. Now that he is seated, what is your own experience? What has that dead, burial, resurrection wrought in you now? In two scriptures, in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, it talked about what he called the doctrine of Christ. 
In Second John chapter 1, verse 9, he also talked about the doctrine of Christ. Let's just look at it. He said, therefore, living the principles of the doctrine. There was something they were teaching them about what had happened to them in Christ. Amen. Second John, chapter 1. John, also the beloved, knew something about it. He said, whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine. When they talk about doctrine, they're talking about a system of, 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 of teachings or knowledge. The same way you know about the doctrine of righteousness. Amen. Alright? So there's, there's something they knew about. Now, you know, most of the time we say, Jesus Christ. And then we say, Christ Jesus. If you actually look closely, you know, it depends on who you are talking to. Paul had to tell them, he said, look, when I spoke to you, I spoke to you as babes. Why? There are some things I couldn't say because I didn't want you to be confused. So, when you are communicating spiritual truth on another level, you begin to explain that actually, Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus, somehow they mean different things. Amen. (laughs) Now, what do we mean? Jesus Christ is a person, a savior, our Lord. But, you know, some of them say, <laughs> let me put it this way. One day I told someone something like this, and the person thought like, how, how can you say that? I said, Jesus is not in you. He said, hey! <laughs> he didn't understand what I was saying. I said, if you read carefully, there's no scripture that says Jesus is in you. It always says Christ in you. There's a reason. And anytime he talks about you being in, he uses the word Christ Jesus. And Paul understood that difference and used it regularly. I didn't intend to go there, but let me just show you one scripture. Maybe two. Maybe three. (laughs) Amen (laughs) Glory to God Maybe four Amen (laughs) 2 Timothy 1.1 Where Jesus Christ and Christ Jesus was used Amen 2 Timothy 1.1 Alright Look at this now Did you see that? It says Paul an apostle of Jesus Christ Now of Jesus Christ So he mentioned Jesus Christ So he knows Jesus Christ I'll be by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, verse 1. Again, he says something similar. It could not be a mistake. It's not a mistake. He said, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So he has said Jesus Christ again. To the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in why didn't he say in Jesus Christ? He said to the faithful what in Christ Jesus. Let me show you the third one. Philippians 1 1. Then I'll show you the last one. Second Corinthians, uh, first Corinthians 1 2. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus. When he starts talking about the saints and talking about what they are in, he uses the phrase Christ Jesus. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2. Unto the church of God which is at Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. 
called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ. Why didn't he say Christ Jesus again? When he's talking about the person of Jesus, he uses the word more, Jesus Christ. When he's talking about the mystery of us being in Christ, he says Christ Jesus. Is this helping someone? So, Paul was not just speaking about something when he said that you might understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Why is it called a mystery? Naturally, it can be explained. It's just like we talked about the mystery of godliness and we started talking about God was manifest in the flesh. How can you explain that? That God, almighty God, became human. Say, so how? That's why it's a miracle. Amen. Listen, our salvation is supernatural. From top to bottom and all around is supernatural. So if you want to, you know, sit down and plot a graph to explain salvation, <laughs> it is to be believed. Amen. Are we together? It is to be believed. I was talking to someone one time and I said to him, I thank God for what they call apologetics. Those that go out to defend the gospel. And there's such a thing in scripture. But I said, God's idea of apologetics is not trying to scientifically prove that Jesus had lived. Because a man is not supposed to accept because it looks like there are facts. He's supposed to believe it. Amen. He's supposed to believe in his heart. Not accept with his mind. Believe in his heart. Is a spiritual message. Am I communicating? Let's pray in tongues for a moment. Oh, we give you praise. Oh, we give you glory. In the name of Jesus. You know why I told you to pray? I've seen that I didn't finish the message. <laughs> Glory to God. So there are some strong statements that you find in Paul's writings throughout the scriptures. Because he understood this mystery of being in Christ. Let me jump like 14 scriptures and land at my 15th scripture. In 2 Corinthians 5, popular verse of scripture, verse 17. You know, there, there, there are many things Paul said that as... I'm speaking now, some of you, some of the scriptures will be coming alive in your heart. Hallelujah. Alright? Before I get to 2 Corinthians 5, let me just mention Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in every place. Then he says, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. 
In Paul's teachings, he first explains Jesus Christ as a person. And then he goes further to explain Jesus as a Christ Jesus as a place. You didn't hear me well. But many of us just know Jesus Christ as a person. But he, he begins to talk about Christ Jesus as a place that we've come into. So he said, if any man, he didn't say be in Jesus. No. If any man be in Christ, how does that happen? That's the mystery. Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's the mystery. That's the mystery. When you prayed the salvation prayer, what Jesus did on the cross legally means that every human being on earth by right, salvation is available to all. But the day you prayed the salvation prayer, this Holy Spirit did something in you. Are we together? Yes. He took you and immersed you in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's where in Christ happened. Am I communicating? Now, many don't understand that. You know, it's, you know, thank God for the message of my sins are forgiven. Great. But there's something else that has happened as a result of our sins being forgiven. That we, we have been brought into oneness with God. There's a union. There's an immersion. There's a positioning. And there's a function. We have been joined. Amen. <laughs> In Ephesians 3... When Paul mentioned the mystery of Christ, then he started explaining it. The core of what he said was in verse 5. Alright? So we'll read there. Go back there, please. Go to verse 4 into 5. Thank you. Whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now he wants to explain what it is. Verse 5. We'll keep reading. Which in other ages... This mystery in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Now, when you read this, you will think that the only people that it is revealed to are the holy apostles and prophets. But when you read Colossians, you'll find that it was revealed to the saints. Amen. Are we together? Okay, so we'll now go further. Permit me. I, verse 6, not verse 5, I said. That, this is the mystery. This is the mystery. I need more than one service to explain it. <laughs> Amen. 
You know, I want to take off my shoe and my jacket. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You know that sometimes they will serve food on the table. You know that you have to take off something. <laughs> you understand? Has that happened to you before? You know that you have to take off something. You know, this is not something to take like take fully dressed. You have to take off something. And that's how I feel now. You have to take off something. It says that the Gentiles. Anytime I say Gentiles, remember you are the Gentile. <laughs> Amen. You are the ones that were called Gentiles. Don't think of Gentiles as any other person. Every Nigerian <laughs> was a Gentile. Even if you are now saved, you were a Gentile. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. This is the mystery. That do you know what it is? That God now decided to bring you that was a nobody and join you in the same body with himself. Amen. Alongside the Jews that were his people. Amen. Now, in the New Testament, we are not followers of God. That's what religion teaches. Say, are you following the Lord? Are you following God? It's good to follow God. We are not followers of God. We are in Him. That's the reason why Paul took out time to explain. Now are you, member, are you the body of Christ? 1 Corinthians 12.27 He says, now, not tomorrow, now, now you are the body of Christ. He said, I don't understand. He said, I don't understand. You are his hand. You are his leg. When you come to the revelation of the mystery of Christ, you will appreciate eternal security. He said, now, ye, not tomorrow, now, you are the body. He's calling you the body of Christ. Paul, in trying to explain it in Ephesians, now explain that. Um, how will I explain this to you now? How will I explain this to you now? He now used husband and wife to explain it. He was not talking about husband and wife. I forgot to say something. And, you know, Jesus reminded me to say so. Amen. So I'll say it because last night, you know, when I thought on, on Saturday, and um, I slept. And uh, the Lord came to me and said, Commended me for the message. And I love that. Hallelujah. Then he said, there's something you didn't emphasize. You know. Then he read the scriptures and made me hear the message in my voice that I preached. Then he underlined in 1 Timothy 3.16, great. Then he said, it's not just a mystery. It's a great mystery. So I said, okay. He said, so you say that next time. I said, Yes. So I'm saying it to next time. Amen. So without controversy, great. Everybody say great. great. Out of the seven mysteries I mentioned, there are only two that are referred to as great. The first one is the mystery of the faith. 
The second one is the mystery of Christ. They're referred to as great. So I want to show you where the mystery of Christ is referred to as great. Um, Ephesians 5, where will be the good place to read from 30? I think my focus is 32. Good. See, you now understand that all Paul was trying to communicate was this mystery of Christ. He said, for we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. That means we are inseparable from Christ. The day you got born again, Paul said, he said, you have been joined, baptized into the body by the spirits. So, he's saying that we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. Did you get that? Let me ask you a question. Is your head different from your, your leg? Is it, is it, ah, okay, let's assume now. Let me use someone for an example. I need someone that looks like someone I can use for an example. Amen. Alright, come, 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 since you are standing here already. They say, this is Joseph's head. His name is Joseph. But this is Emmanuel's leg. Is that possible? Even if he had to get a leg and you fix it here, it is now his leg. Am I communicating? It is now his leg. Anywhere his head is going is where his leg will go. Amen. Are you understanding me? You can't separate the head from the body. What makes him alive and functional is that everything is together. Now what Paul is saying is that when you got born again, you were fused into Christ. You are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Verse 31, is 32 we're going to. He now explained, he said, look, for this cause shall a man live... Now, he was trying to use human um, um, experience to explain something spiritual. He's not talking about husband and wife, in as much as we bring our husband and wife from the scripture. He was actually talking about Christ and the church. The mystery of Christ was what he was trying to reveal. He said, for this cause shall a man... Leave his father and mother just as you left the world. Amen. And shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. That that which marriage represents is what has happened between you and Christ. Then he says, and they too shall be what? One flesh. That means that, that's why when the Bible talks about, say, um, uh, when, when God sees, God sees Christ, you are in Christ. I'm coming there. Verse 32. He now says, thank you. He now says, this is a great mystery. Are you understanding me? He said, but, I'm not talking about husband and wife. I speak concerning Christ and the church. Amen. Thank you. I speak concerning what Christ and the church. Concerning Christ and the church. That means the focus I'm trying to bring to you is the oneness, our oneness in Christ. Someone asked me, and so, is it that, am I in Christ or Christ is in me? I said both. It's called the law of interpenetration. He's in you and you are in him. 
Now you are inseparable. It's just like they pour water inside water. You're trying to find the water they poured into the water. How? They are one. Amen. They are one. You can say, hey, my water is inside this water. <laughs> you are beginning to get the idea. But you know, we've not even scratched the surface. Amen. So when Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he was, you know, the way he said it was like, you don't understand. No, 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 you don't understand. Therefore, if any man born of a woman be in Christ, once that immersion takes place, once that union takes place, he is a new creature. That's the mystery. It doesn't matter where he came from before. He is. He is what Christ is. That's why the Bible says, as he is, so are we. It's because of the mystery of Christ. He is a new creature. Then he says, all things have passed away. There's a word we always keep in that place. It's the word behold. If you remove behold, you remove the wonder in the scripture. Behold! Take it out! Amen! All things have become new. Say, I'm a new creature. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. I've been joined with him. I am one body. And one spirit. This was what Paul was trying to communicate. I'll just end here because I want to enter something else. Where he said, he said, look, if you then be risen with Christ, he said, your life is hid with Christ and Christ in God. Are you understanding? That's what he was communicating. That in Christ, it is something that prophetically people have been waiting for. Hallelujah. It's a mystery. It wasn't known. In the Psalms, it came in different ways. Are we together? For the sake of time, I'll just show you one. When Psalm 91 said, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of El Shaddai. What he was talking about was the, the secret place is not a mountain somewhere. No. Christ is that secret place that you have entered into. Amen. The day you got born again, you have been immersed into Christ. It has the secret place. Are we together? So, the, um, Psalm 91 verse 1 is exactly where Paul was speaking from in Colossians 3.3. 3. Amen. Where he said, your life is hid with Christ and Christ in God. Amen. What he's explaining is that the day you got born again, you enter the secret place. Some of you have not understood what I'm saying. 
Now, do you know the language that was used in the Old Testament when it said, dwell it? Old Testament language, you know, when you see New Testament terminology, you know that they're trying to communicate something. First of all, dwell it. Jesus was the first person that came and started teaching on abide, dwell. Are you understanding me? You read John chapter 15. You talk about abide, dwell. Now, the Bible is saying that he, he didn't say he that visits the secret place. He said he that dwelleth in the secret place of El Elyon. The word translated most high there is El Elyon. Now, the names of God in the Old Testament are very important. The El Elyon means, now in English it means most high. But when you read it verbatim, it means that the one that was the, the, that has gone up to a place where nobody can come to. The ascended one. Amen. That's what most high means. The ascended one. And it's talking about Christ. Amen. Christ is the ascended one. He that first descended. And then he ascended. Amen. Now. When we got born again. By the spirit. We were immersed. In the most high. Amen. In that secret place of the Most High. That's Christ. Then he said, He that dwells shall abide under the shadow, Amen, of the Almighty. He is now in God. Listen to me. The day you got born again, you entered that secret place of the Most High. That's where you are now. I said, that's where you are now. That's where you are now. Say, I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I love the shadow of the Almighty. The shadow of El Shaddai. That means all my needs are met. Amen. If there is no lack in God, there is no lack in me. Because I am in Him. Amen. If there is no sickness in Him, there is no sickness in me. Because I am in Him. The only things that happen to me are the things that happen to God. Are you understanding me? No, no, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. We are not, we didn't embrace a religion. No. We didn't embrace a religion. We are not trying to be something. We are made. Amen. Did you hear me? We'll be made. The Bible says the righteousness of God. Made. Now, let me just say this. When we talk about Jesus Christ, most of the time people think about Jesus, the one that walked the streets of Galilee. Amen. Are we together? So, sometimes you hear believers telling other believers, what will Jesus do? Are you understanding me? If Jesus now was driving on the road and saw a beautiful guy walking, will he turn his neck? What will Jesus do? He will look straight. So do the same thing Jesus will do. If now they left money in your office, you are supposed to return the change. You know, if Jesus was in that office, what would Jesus do? That's not what you embraced in Christ Jesus. It's not what would Jesus do. Amen. Am I communicating? You know why people are talking like that? They are thinking about Jesus. And we sing that song. I love that man of Galilee. For he has done so very much for me. Alright? 
Now, that man of Galilee walked the face of the earth. But listen to me. The Bible says that there are two others. Jesus was referred to as one, the last Adam. And number two, the second man. Our own order is not after the last Adam. No. He is the last Adam. Maybe say last Adam. Then the Bible says he's the second man. Why is he saying so? Last Adam is Jesus before he died. Second man is Jesus as he was risen. Our order is after the risen Christ. Amen. That's what makes the difference. So there is something at work in us. We are not obeying rules and regulations somewhere. There is a spirit at work in us. Amen. Say there is a spirit at work in me. Kayaba. Pray in tongues for a moment. I apologize for not finishing the message <laughs> in advance. In the name of Jesus. One day, I was walking on a pavement. That was many years ago university and it rained so everywhere was wet so there's this narrow it's a curb actually and that's the place that's above the water that's the only way you can walk and not put your feet in the stagnant water as a result of the rain so I was walking on the pavement like that going and then other people were walking on the pavement. A madman was coming on the other side of the pavement. He too didn't want his leg to touch the water. So he was walking on the pavement. And people were jumping away into the water because he was coming. And then I said, is a madman, is a possessed man or is a possessed man? I say, is he the only one that is possessed? He's possessed and possessed. Is possessed of devil and possessed of God. So now we're walking and coming closer, walking and coming closer. He's coming, I'm coming, he's coming, I'm coming. I've made up my mind that I'm going nowhere. When he got closer, he said, ah! and jumped <laughs> into the water. Let me just talk a a little along those lines. Christianity is not doing something you learnt. It's living under an influence. Did you hear me? When you understand Christianity like that, it will make a world of difference. I use the illustration of the madman because I want to talk about madness. 
do they teach a madman how to be mad? Is there anybody that went to madness school? Madness institute? Where he sat down there and I said, now, these are the first, there are three layers of madness, alright? The first step in madness is that you will shake your head like this. After which you take off your clothes, alright? Now, do you know that madman, whether the, I've been to maybe northern Nigeria, I've been to southwest, I've been to southeast, you be, you see that a madman behaves like a madman every other place. Are you understanding me? You go anywhere, that madman behaves like a madman. Now, you find that they didn't go to the same school. They've not met each other. How are they all behaving the same way? There is the same spirit that is operating all of them. So a madman doesn't go and learn how to be mad. They say, jump on one leg. When you see people, be dirty. Scatter your hair. They don't tell them. The spirit in them influences them to behave like that. Now, we in Christ Jesus, we didn't go to school to learn how to live the Christian life. How to do the right things. How to speak in tongues. No! There is a spirit. There is a spirit at work in us. He's called the Holy Ghost. He's called the Holy Ghost. When he comes upon you, he wears you. He wears you. He wears you. Are you understanding me? Your hand becomes his hand. Your leg becomes his leg. Your mouth becomes his mouth. When you are seated in that office, the Holy Ghost is in that office. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Stand up and shout glory! Speaking tongues everywhere. Let's get under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this message. If you have been blessed, you can reach us by email on info at faithtofaithonline.org or call us on 234-806-361-3560. You are big, blessed, and loaded. Taking the message of faith around.